What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right, let's turn to Song of Songs, uh, chapter 8, verse 6, and we are uh, going to be finishing up the book of Song of Songs today, Lord willing. That's my gift to you. Merry Christmas. But we need, we need God's hand to move, uh, to move in power. And so, uh, um, so last week we really focused in on set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. This was a cry, a cry from the bride wanting a covenant to be made. The beautiful thing about us in the New Testament is that the glory of the gospel is that Christ died on the cross and he made a covenant in his own blood and he actually sealed us with the Holy Spirit. This is God's amazing grace. As she was crying out for him to set a seal upon the heart and on the arm, God in his sovereignty and his love says, not not only is that already done, but listen, I'm going to seal you with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing salvation that we have. What a glorious God that we have. And this cry from her is a prayer for all of us. She continues, your love, your love, your love is as strong as death. Jesus' love was stronger than death. He defeated death. His love moved him past the grave. Death couldn't hold him. Your love is as strong as death. And jealousy as fierce as the grave, he was willing to go for the, to the grave for you, for his jealous love. Jealous love? Some of us have issues with that, and I understand because it's like jealousy, we see it kind of in a negative way. But I want you to keep your place here. And by the way, we're going to be turning to a lot of places today. Always keep your place in Song of Songs chapter 8, and let's go to James 4, verse 5. Jealousy, jealousy. Christ's love is strong as death, jealousy as fierce as the grave. Even though this was her cry in the New Testament, through the cross, through the grave, through the resurrection, we see it become the reality for Jesus. It's what he did. The very thing she was crying out for, he accomplished that. Do you know why? Because we couldn't accomplish it. Nobody's love is that strong. And God had to do it himself. Here we see in James 4, 5, it says, Do you suppose that it is no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? That's a small s. Why? That is our human spirit. There is this perfect jealous love that God yearns with a passion over us. Every single one of you, God jealously yearns for you. He's passionate about you. He's not jealous in, a, in kind of an earthly carnal way, but he is emotional about you. And some of you, that kind of messes with your doctrine and theology, but when you want to see God, listen, look at Jesus. And when Jesus looked over the crowds, he was filled with what? Compassion. That's an emotion. Our God is not just this stoic figure with a white beard like Santa Claus sitting up there waiting for us to do something wrong. No, he is a passionate, loving, jealous God with a perfect, jealous love that's not like ours. He's not petty like us. Our jealousy, human jealousy, comes from a selfishness. His jealousy is pure. He cares intensely 
about us, his people. People think that if God is jealous, he's mad all the time. No, no, no. This jealousy is a hot, passionate desire for his people. This flame of hot emotion for his bride. And when he says, your eyes are like doves, what he's saying is, I, I, I want your gaze just upon me and me alone, not anything else. You are my beautiful one. You are my only one. But yet for us, for us, we get moved off of our love relationship with God because of everything in the world and, and God's pure love just wants our affection to be for him and him alone. Listen to, actually, let's go ahead and read it. Let's go to Romans 5, please. She's crying out like, like, I want this perfect jealous love to destroy everything in me that interrupts our union. Let it destroy everything in me, God, that disrupts our union until you reign in my life. Possess me completely, Lord, so that there's no rivals. And here in Romans 5, 5, we get a glimpse of this love. It says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been, past tense, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so those of us that are born again, those of us who have been saved by grace through faith in what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes in us and we are born again. And that spirit that's in us is also love. God's love. You see that there? That word love is agape. That is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then he explains his extravagant love for us in verse 6. While we were still weak, say I'm weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Say I'm ungodly. Well, you were if you're saved. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His great love sent Christ to the cross. Christ embraced the cross while we were his enemies. He died for rebels like you and me that cry out from the depths of our soul, you will not rule over me. He died for us. His jealous love. Verse 8. Excuse me, verse 9. Well, let's read 8 again. It's so good. But God shows his agape for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. We are reconciled to Christ by the blood of the cross, by his death and burial and resurrection. And he is alive forevermore, and the Holy Spirit is within us. He's placed the Holy Spirit within us, and his jealous desire is a perfect jealous desire that he wants you to gaze upon him in him alone, that all other things, all other lovers will become a distant second, that he alone right. is all. Right. And he's yearning for that out of a purity. 
It's why the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This love relationship, this passionate love relationship, it's demonstrated on the cross. He loves us with a perfect love, with a perfect jealous love. Let's go to, back to Song of Songs 6, verse C. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord, the very flame of the Lord. Now, uh, we're going to go to three different places, okay? So the first place I want you to go is Deuteronomy 4.24. Why? Because I want you to build a doctrine in your life because we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus in John chapter 4, he said that the Father is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we want to understand who our God is. And one of the ways that God describes himself is as a fire, a consuming fire. And so in Deuteronomy 4.24, it says this, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. And then what's it say? A jealous God. Wow. The New Testament, James chapter 4, lines up with Deuteronomy. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a consuming fire. Now, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And if you're taking note, it's good for you to write down these references so that you can begin to build a doctrinal foundation of these verses so you get a better scope or a better grasp on the God that we serve. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And this is a prophecy... And it says this, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. You can look at Revelation chapter 1, and you see woolly hair there. You can look at Revelation chapter 1 and you see eyes with a flame of fire. So it is describing the indescribable God that we serve. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. And a stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. There is coming a day where this is going to happen. There's people that have a misconception about God where they put God like their parents or society where they think they can get over. They think that they can manipulate. They think that they can say slick words. God is a consuming fire, and everything, everything will be burned up that you and I do that's not done with the right motive. There's going to be no excuses. There's going to be no blaming. There's going to be no deflecting. There's going to be no, look what they did to me. This is why. No, none of that. None of that. All of that is gone. All of that is burned up. And this pure, hot, white fire will all stand before one day. The old question is this, why should I let you in? Imagine this scene here with fire coming from the throne. 
why should I let you in? Well, I went to church. I, I did this and I did that and I, I was a good person and I, all that stuff's just burned up. Our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the only answer, the only answer, we learned it last week, For I have been saved by grace through faith in what Christ did, not what I do. Everything else is going to be burned up. The good works that you think you're doing, they will be burned up if done, not in the Spirit of God. We'll get into more of that next verse here. I want you to turn to Hebrews 12, 29, so we can kind of put the, we can seal the deal on this. So again, this is a, a prayer, a cry, right? It's flashes are a flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Have you ever asked for the flame of the Lord to come upon your life? Have you ever asked for God to burn away what doesn't belong in your life? Oh, God, purify my motives because most of my life is about me and only me. And sometimes the things that I do, I want you to be glorified, Jesus, but there's this little bit of glory for me. Oh, God, burn it away. Come and consume me, Lord. Come and consume me, Lord. People ask me to do something. Sometimes I don't check with God. Often I don't check with God. And I respond out of a desire to please people rather than pleasing God. The fear of the man, fear of man is a trap, it's a snare. How much stuff needs to be burned up? And she's crying out for the flame of the Lord to come upon her life. This is why I have you in Hebrews 12, 29. It says, our God is a consuming fire. So God, would you come and consume me? Now, unfortunately, there was this conference of these guys. They were making fun of another church group that had a worship song that, and I'm not giving any names on purpose because the, if the bride of Christ <laughs> isn't saved by, by Jesus, we're in big trouble. Like our church gets things wrong. You're going to get things wrong. When you plant your own church, you'll get things wrong. But on stage were pastors and they were making fun of a church that wrote the song, all-consuming fire, you're my heart's desire. And they were mocking, saying, these people don't realize what they're talking about. They're asking for the wrath of God. And they began to judge, and they began to mock, and they began to come at that song, all-consuming fire. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching this conference online of guys that I respect and guys that I use commentary from, by the way, really good, really smart, all of a sudden I realized they were in the wrong spirit. Why? Because, two things, A, did they go talk to them and try to reason them about the song that they don't like? That's number one. Two, what if they're asking for the kind of fire that came upon the bush like Moses had so that their life becomes holy ground? What if they're asking for the tongues in Acts chapter 2, that there would be such a fire in me, such a passion in me, God, that I just burn for you. I burn for you. What if, what if, what if? And see, this is why Scripture says don't judge anything before it's time. We have to be very careful how we judge, and Jesus warned us of that. With the measure you used, it'll be brought back to you. And you'll be judged by every careless word out of your mouth. And she's crying out for the flashes of fire, the flame of the Lord. She's wanting God to consume her. 
and burn away what doesn't belong in her life. Disciple, is that your cry? Verse 7, Song of Songs, chapter 8. By the way, I'm doing a Christmas message next week. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. I wore green. Verse 7, many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. I want you to keep your place here, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4, please. Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to start off in verse 7. So as Christians, as the Spirit of God is within us, as we are sealed to the day of redemption because we're saved uh, by grace through faith, right? We stand in Christ. And I've said this to you before, in Him, in Christ, is used 91 times by the Apostle Paul. That is the greatest fact about your life now, that you are in Christ, and so she's not trusting her love. She's not trusting her performance. She's not trusting herself. She's trusting the agape of God, the love of God that would be placed in her. Verse 7, excuse me, yeah, Matthew 4, verse 7, and Jesus said to him, this is the temptation, by the way, Jesus being tempted by the devil, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. So the whole world was shown to Jesus that day. And Satan said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. You might want to put 1 John 5.19 by that because Scripture declares that the whole world is under the sway or the rule of the evil one. When Adam sinned and he fell, not only did sin enter the world, but also the authority of the world became under the enemy. And it's only through Christ not submitting to Satan that Christ took the authority back from Satan and crushed his head. He has no more authority for the Christian, but those without Christ, he has authority in your life. And that is why Scripture says when Jesus looked over the crowds, he was filled with compassion because they were helpless, harassed sheep without a shepherd. The enemy will continue to harass you, continue to afflict you, because you are not under the authority of Christ. He will steal, kill, and destroy your life. What did Jesus say? Verse 10, be gone, Satan. There was no, let me think about it. There was no, oh man, this is a good deal. I get to forget the cross, and this is the easy path, man. It was a real quick be gone. Woo! How about you with temptation? Oh, we're coming up on some Christmas parties, baby. Pumpkin pie. And some of you are tempted, oh, in the new year, I'll start. In the new year. See, what happens is it's a little compromise, a little temptation that doesn't seem so bad. And it is the foxes nipping at the vine. It's a slow nip. And then I lied one time about this. And I really didn't, nothing really happened to me. God's grace is on me. He's still blessing me. And so it becomes a little bigger lie. And a little bigger lie and a little bigger. And then we don't realize, we look up and we're way compromised. You see a person in love, it's not going to be compromised. 
And as I dwell in the love and the agape of Christ, his love is, is so strong, man, floods can't drown it. I, 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 if I'm in love, if I'm in love, right, I'm going to say, be gone. I'm going to worship the Lord and him alone, him alone shall I serve. And what happened? The devil left him for a more opportune time because he's always going to keep coming back. First Peter 5, 8, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. He's trying to devour you. He's going to put that compromise there, compromise there, compromise there. G- Satan came back with Peter. So hear the temptation. You don't have to die. You can rule. You, I'll give you the keys to this earth, right? I'll give you the keys. But, 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 but Satan came back through Peter. Jesus says, I'm, I, I've got to die. I'm going to die. And Peter's like, you're not going to die, right? You're not going to die. No, Lord, no, Lord, right? And he said what? Get behind me what? Satan. That, that was another opportune time. Who did he come through? He came through the church. He came, he came through church folk. Now, they weren't real church folk because they weren't born again, but you understand what I'm saying. He came through the people that were following Jesus. And how did he get in? When you read that passage, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Peter wasn't filled with, with, with God and God's purposes and God's will. Peter, Peter wanted Jesus to be king, but he also wanted to sit on the right hand and the left hand, right? So it was some of Jesus and some of me. Church, listen, this is the issue, by the way, with us, with all of us. Some of Jesus, some of me. And, and, and when, how, did, how did the enemy get in to, to, to Peter? You have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. There is this selfishness. There is this thing. It's what's in it for me. And ooh, we need, the God, we need God's consuming fire to come and burn away that, guys. To burn it. So that only he remains. A pure devotion. So when the compromise comes, be gone, Satan. You know my heart belongs to Jesus. Be gone, Satan, as I stand in Christ. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Be gone, Satan. You can come at me with a flood. It's interesting. I was, uh, Revelation, it says, in the end times, Satan breathes a flood out of his mouth to swallow up, to swallow up, but God removes them to the wilderness. And so the enemy's going to come in like a flood, but guess what? God is going to raise up a standard. The enemy's always trying to come in. Always. He's never going to stop. I want you to, well, we don't have time. Just jot this down. Genesis chapter 25. One of the saddest stories in the Bible. I'll read it to you. When Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is that birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. And he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and he drank and he rose and he went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And how many of us despise the new birth of the Holy Ghost within us because we go after porridge. We go after things that satisfy for a moment. So I want you to look at Song of Songs 8, 6, and 7. As we've been going through this book, I've challenged you, church, please make this a prayer. Make this book a prayer. This is a prayer for me. Look at 6 and 7. I've made it a prayer. I've made it my own prayer, and I encourage you to make it your own prayer that you take before the Lord. 
Jesus, would you set me as a seal upon your heart? As a seal upon your arm. And I thank you for sealing me with your precious Holy Spirit. Jesus, your love is stronger than death as the tomb is empty. May your perfect jealousy bring such a fierceness, the same fierceness that overcame the grave. May it overwhelm and overtake every area of my life. Would you come with great flashes of fire so that I am consumed like the bush Moses saw? Would you make my life holy ground? Oh, come, Lord Jesus, with the very flame of the Lord. May your fire never go out on the altar of my life. I believe that many waters cannot quench this love that we have together. Neither can floods drown it. Grow our love so that if a man offered for my love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. That's a pure devotion right there. Verses six and seven. Listen, this isn't information today. This is you connecting with the God of all creation and saying, oh God, let this be the cry of my heart. Song of Songs, verse eight. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? Again, we talked about breasts before, chapter 7, but this represents a lack of spiritual maturity and, and nourishment that's there, a lack that's there. She had an inability to, 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 to feed. She had an inability to satisfy And look at how these others, these are others, remember, as we were going through this book, we talked about the others being kind of nominal church folk, Uh, uh, people that attend church but don't really press in, don't really pray pray prayers like we just prayed in 6 and 7. They just, they know about Jesus, they believe in Jesus, but I I just don't want to get too serious. And they start advice giving, not out of the Spirit, but out of their flesh. And they try to fix her up through the flesh and not through the spirit. What do you mean, Chris? Well, let's look at the next verse. If she's a wall, we'll build on her battlement of silver. But if she's a door, we'll enclose her with boards of cedar. They're focused on what? The outside. They're not focused on the inside. They're focused on the outside of her, covering her up, putting silver on her. Let's go back to Song of Songs 111 so we can be reminded of of the entrapment there that happened early on when, when this bride, this bride started following Jesus. It was the same group of people that said, oh, you need to get the outside fixed up. It was the Pharisees that came into the camp and said, oh, you gotta do this and you gotta do this and you got to do this and if you do this this and this then you'll be good right look at song of song 111 we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver it's the same thing do you see the same language be careful of church people they'll put yokes on you that are not from jesus be careful of pastors because they'll put yokes on you that are not from Jesus. We've got to learn what the Holy Spirit sounds like. We've got to read God's word. (laughs) I love this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. Some people prefer to read scripture in Hebrew. Others prefer to read in Greek, but I love to read it In the Holy Ghost. God has a plan for your life, but so does everybody else. What has he called you to do? It's mind-blowing to me that the, the, the missionary movement of the Apostle Paul, when God called him in Acts chapter 13... 
They weren't asking God, what, 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 are you, what do you want us to do? What's this five-year strategy that we can lay on the table? When you read Acts chapter 13, the church was gathered with fasting and prayer and worship. They were seeking the face of God. They were in love with God. They wanted God. They were worshiping God. They were fasting and praying. That's what they were doing. And then the Holy Spirit spoke and said, Paul and Barnabas, I've got a mission for them. Most of the time, we're receiving our mission from man. I should be doing something. And a lot of times, and this is a confession for me, so many times I am praying, I am asking God to move. Why? Because I got to speak. I got I got a preaching gig. Think about that for a second. That's using God like a prostitute. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this so that you'll give me this. And ministry often can corrupt people's hearts. And there's people that they might go into seasons where, hey, we need to step down. And the reality is, the reality is, most of us can't do that because our identity is wrapped up in what we do for Jesus. What will they say? What will they think? Some of the biggest steps of faith that God may call you to do is to stop doing ministry. Chris, how are you ever going to grow this church? How are you ever going to cast vision? How are you going to, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. What if God wants our church to get smaller, but, but purer? Because pruning, pruning, pruning. I want you to turn to Matthew 7, 21. It was a few years ago, I was, I was attacked. And people came at me. And I was just at a, I was not at a good place. And I look back now and I, w- I wish that the, the elders would have just said, hey, Chris, why don't you take three or four months off to get your heart right before the Lord? By the way, elders, you have the freedom to do that. That's why I need you, because sometimes just the, the, the heart just isn't the motives, right? But how would that affect the church? Jesus says, it's my church, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Last time I checked, this isn't about me giving you a good message today. Matthew 7, 21, and why am I I going on this hard about what's on the outside, what's on the outside? Because here's people, Jesus, where he's talking to them, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, I want you to highlight, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You must ask yourself, what is God's will? What is the will of my father? I've already quoted one passage in John chapter 4. He is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. But worship means to bow down. Worship means to, to, to love and extol with your whole heart. Worship means that I love you above everything, God. It's the will of God. It's the greatest command. On that day, on that day, this is why we read the fire, guys, because the fire is going to come and it's going to burn up what doesn't belong. It's going to expose everything that was built on a wrong foundation. 
On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Notice some things here. We, did we prophesy in your name? We prophesied in your name. I want the Holy Spirit to prophesy in the name of Jesus. It's not me doing it. God spoke through donkeys. Prophecy's not hard for God. 1 Corinthians 13.9 Right now we prophesy in part. The best prophet on the planet today is a partial prophet, according to Scripture. We prophesy in part. Prophecy's not hard to God. Casting out demons. Listen, Jesus said that the Jewish people that weren't saved were casting out Jesus, demons. He says, well, by who, who do your sons cast them out by? Your sons, meaning they're not of my flock, but they were casting out demons. Demons can be cast out by the Israelites that weren't saved. Think about that for a second. You would think that somebody doing this stuff is bad, is anointed by God, is a bad... No, 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 listen. Sometimes God moves through people who don't belong to him in order to heal somebody or, or give a word to somebody whom he loves. And that can be offensive to us. I've seen God heal through what I consider to be a false... False, false, with a capital F. I've seen God heal because it wasn't probably the person then. It was the person that God loved and wanted to touch. We don't understand God's love and we focus on man like he's anointed. He's not anointed. He doesn't have the juice, baby. Let's go to Luke 18. Let's go to Luke 18, verse 9. This is the will of God right here. This is the will of God that justifies you. Listen to this passage, this parable Jesus told. Verse 9, Luke 18. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they treated others with contempt. They looked down on other people. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name, right? That's what's going on again. The righteousness of man, thinking they had something to do with the move of God. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, Be merciful to me, a sinner. Sometimes I sit in my chair at home and I just say, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. I tell you, and this is important, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You think that you're all that in a bag of chips. 
I encourage you and implore you to bow down, to humble yourself down and kneel before the Lord, your God, your maker, because we, we are just sheep who can't make it without a shepherd. And the will of God is to be humble before him, acknowledging apart from him, I can do nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. When I understand my poverty in spirit, I begin to mourn and say, oh God, have mercy upon me. I'm mourning my condition apart from you. And when I really believe that, guess what happens? Blessed are the meek, meaning power under control. I begin to not move in my own strength. I begin to humble myself and move with the Spirit. And when that happens, we inherit the earth. Some people try to inherit the earth with their flesh, but that's not the way of God. It is through humility and meekness that we humble ourselves under the anointing and the power of the Holy God, the Holy Ghost, and we move under that. And I can keep going through the Beatitudes, right? Then we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we're filled. Jessica, if you could play this video for me real quick, please. Kyle's video. All righty. Hey, everybody. My name is Kyle Smeraldo. Uh, I'm a PBA student. Right now I'm in Virginia in my hometown. Uh, but I wanted to share what happened to me last week. Oh, there's my cat. So last week, if you guys remember, Pastor Chris asked that anyone who needed a miracle to stand up. Um, and I ended up standing up. One of the things that I asked prayer for was uh, my lower back. I messed it up about two years ago lifting. And I've been going to the chiropractor and doing kind of physical rehab and um, stuff like that to start healing from it. Um, but every now and then I'll get really, really sharp pains in my lower back. And no matter what I do, whether I'm doing my stretches or physical therapy or go to the chiropractor, nothing works. It was giving me really, 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 uh, sharp pains. And, um, it was difficult for me to just to, uh, get out of the bed in the morning. And we sat back down and it, you know, I kind of felt it pinch, still didn't really feel any better. Um, after church, I went to hang out with some friends, um, and, I was kind of like wiggling around in my chair and uh, Jeremy was like, dude, what are you doing? I was like, dude, I don't have any pain. <laughs> and I was like, that's so cool. It was just completely gone. So um, that was really cool to see and witness um, and praise the Lord that that happened. Uh, so yeah, thank you all. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you for everyone at Bow Down, and I hope to see you all again soon. All right, I got to move the chair or else my mom is going to kill me. So praise Jesus. The reason, the reason why I like that video is because it didn't happen in church. It happened in a restaurant. God's not on our timetable. I had another situation here, and uh, there's a few of us laying hands on people during consecration week, and uh, Thomas and Aaron Wilson. Aaron had bad back pain. And so we prayed for her. You feel anything? No, I don't feel anything. All right, let's pray again. Still nothing. And I said, Aaron, listen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, everyone who asks receives. Those who seek will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You keep asking and seeking and knocking for Jesus to heal you. Later on that evening, healing came. I like it when it happens. Why? Because what sometimes God does is he tests our own individual faith. A lot of times we want people with the anointing to come fix us. And if I don't get it when I come up front, then I guess, you know, that guy's not anointing. Or I guess what it, whatever people think, listen, we see Jesus one time. What do you see? I see trees. And then he prayed again. And the guy saw clearly. Now, today, who needs healing today? I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not, I don't want you to stand up because we did that last week. Everybody stood up. 
But if you need healing over any area of your life, whatever it is, would you, would you just repeat after me? Jesus, please heal me. I believe that you can. So Father, in the name of Jesus, would you please do what Jesus said? If you ask anything in my Father's name, I will do it. Our trust isn't in our prayers, but it's in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. My trust isn't in what I do or don't do. And by the way, if you get healed, please let us know. We want to play your video. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to play no videos next week. We want to make sure that we're not doing things that have to do, back to Song of Songs 8, verse 9, With, with outward reasoning, we want to move from a place of purity. I want you to see something here in verse 10. She declares, Song of Songs 8, verse 10, I was a wall and my breasts were like towers. Now, sorry for the PG stuff here today. I could make some comments on this, but I'm not going to. Help me, Lord. I'm just going to read what I wrote down. Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. She found peace in his eyes. She was naked and she was unashamed. She had this confidence that as he's looking at her, he's seeing no fault in her. No fault in her. She had this confidence because in 15 times in this book, the word what is used? What is it? Beautiful. 15 times, you are beautiful, you're beautiful, right? And so not only, not only by him, but two times by the others, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And she's receiving that. She believes she's beautiful. When you look at Song of Songs 115, behold, you're beautiful, my love. Behold, you're beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. In Song of Songs 4-7, you're altogether beautiful, my love. There's no flaw in you. In Song of Songs 4-9, you've captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. In Song of Songs, Songs 6, 8, and 9, there are 60 queens and 80 concubines and virgins without number. But my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. In Song of Songs 7, 6, how beautiful and pleasant you are. Oh, loved one, with all your delights. She was convinced because God's love, it produced a peace in her that she could be naked and unashamed and full of peace, no shame, gone. In his eyes, Peace. Now, we know, some of you that are over 50, the whole tower thing. Help me, Lord. She was at peace. At peace. Are you fully convinced in the love of God so that you find peace in his eyes. Some of you, when I was talking about the fire and burning away, there was things that were coming up. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I need to repent. I need to change. I need to go back and make that right. There's things that were coming up because you're, you haven't been doing business with God. You haven't been walking with God. And, and, and listen, today's the day. Today's the day to make it right with God, to put game, playing games with him because we want his fire to burn away what doesn't belong. But when it burns away what doesn't belong, we're in his eyes as one who finds peace. When we look at that cross and we see his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, that cross convinces me of his love. 
We already read it. Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the demonstration of his love. And Romans 5.1, it says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God now because of the wrath of God that was poured out on Jesus. Verse 11. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman. He left out the vineyard to the keepers. Each one was to bring his fruit, a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is before me. You, O Solomon, may have the thousand and the keepers of the fruit, 200. Business people. Well, all people. You're all in business. Uh, uh, Josephine, if you could put up the, 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 the Karl Marx uh, 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 thing. So a lot of us don't know this, but Karl Marx, Marxism, he was a Satanist. In this book, which is done by Pastor Richard Wormbrand, who was in prison for 14 years in Romania under communism, started researching who Karl Marx was, and he was a flat-out Satanist. He worshipped Satan. Okay? And when we say Marxism, we don't realize the origin of it. Understand what Scripture says, our battle's not against what? Flesh and blood. Everything spiritual. Next clip, please. 200 years since he was born. Here's all the nations that his ideology brought prosperity. None. Not one. Here we see, my vineyard, my very own is before me. You, O Solomon, you have the thousand and the keepers of the fruit, 200. She paid her people, the 200. But the profit, 100% of the profit, it's all yours. How could she do that? That's not hard when you're in love. It's all yours, God. It's all yours. Capitalism, excuse me, Marxism and socialism is evil. Why? It's because it forces you to give. It's mandated to give. The reason I like capitalism is there's a freedom to give. She's experienced the freedom to give. I'm going to give this much to you, Solomon. It's a gift. It's love. When you force people to give, it's not love. It's coercion. And understand, the root of that is satanic. It's demonic. God wants to give freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Socialism and Marxism, no freedom. It's forced giving. Understand what you're dealing with and understand what's going on in our world right now. This is why we need to awaken to the reality that our battle's not against flesh and blood. All right, verse 13. O you who dwell in the gardens with companions listening for your voice, let me hear it. Highlight that, please. He is speaking to his bride companions are listening to the mature bride. So disciple, listen up. Matthew 28 is very clear, command by Jesus. Go and make what? Disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what? Teaching them to observe all, all, all of my commands, right? All the commands that I've given you, right? And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so as disciples of Christ, we've been charged, we've been charged to go and to teach people the commands of God. But here's the issue with the church. Is that we can't point to anybody in our life right now who we're teaching. systematically, in a loving, committed relationship like Jesus had with the 12 for three years. Where we have a group that's clicked up and linked up, and we are going after the teachings of Jesus. 
We're not making disciples like Jesus made them. In a loving, committed relationship where we submit to one another in love and we rearrange our life around the word of God. Understand the mature woman, the mature woman has companions listening for your voice. How do you know you're mature? It's because people are going to come up to you and they're going to say, hey, can you mentor me? If nobody's coming up to you asking that question, disciple, it's time to grow up. There should be people wanting to listen to your voice. And some of you are mature. You're not speaking enough. You've stored good treasure in your whole life, but you have this false belief. Oh, I'm not ready, or I, I, I just, I'm not gifted in that, and I just not, right? And you're trusting in you, and you're not trusting in the Christ in you that wants to teach. Open your mouth, open your mouth, and he will fill it. But if you think you're a teacher, and nobody wants to listen, just come see me. Because your teaching and your lifestyle should go together. When your life ain't lining up to what you're teaching, ain't nobody want to hear that. Some of you need to highlight this and make this a prayer. Oh, you dwell in the gardens with companions, listening to your voice, let me hear it. He wants to hear it, they want to hear it. That's when you, 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 you know I'm coming into some type of maturity because all of a sudden... This is happening. Verse 14. Merry Christmas, by the way. Make haste. Make haste, my beloved. Be like a gazelle. Just come on. Come on. And this is what the church cries. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. She is so in love. She is crying out. Oh, would you come? Oh, would you come? Oh, would you come? I can't wait to hold you. I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to see your face. I can't wait to grab a hold of your feet and kiss your feet. I'm just so passionately in love. Would you come? Like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains. There's this this desire for him to come. I don't know about you, but lately, there's been a cry in me. Oh, God, I, I look forward to the day when all this flesh is gone. All this flesh is just gone. I, I look forward to the day where the enemy is no more, and he's burning in hell, which is his destiny. I can't wait for you to throw him there. Actually, you're not going to throw him there, but Michael's going to throw him there because the devil's not on your level. You send somebody else to take care of the devil. I look forward to that day when we get to heaven. No flesh, no devil, pure devotion, pure love, pure harmony, pure peace, no sickness, all healing. I look forward. Maranatha, come. Maranatha, come. And this is why she is saying this. I just want you. Would you come quickly? Would you come quickly? Not like a donkey. Not like a camel. But would you leap over those mountains and come get me as fast as you can? I want you. And it's my prayer that that's the cry of your heart. Our king is coming soon. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are you waiting with anticipation for him to come? Or is there part of you, oh, I don't know what I'm going to... I'm a little concerned with that. There's a fear in you. I don't know if I'm in or I'm out. Whew. Worship team, come on up. Just sit in that question. Prayer partners, come on up. Church, we bow before you, Jesus, King of glory. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. Jesus, Jesus, you reign, you rule. You're the King enthroned on high, and we just worship you. We welcome you in as we close and we sing some songs to you would you be blessed 
We want to kiss towards you with a pure heart, with a pure devotion. We don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. We want to look right at you, Jesus. And so, God, would you just pour your spirit out right now and and help us. Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Would you lift our head towards towards you, Jesus? Lift our head towards you, Jesus. And may we lock eyes with you. And come, God, send your fire. Burn away what doesn't belong. Your love is stronger than death, the grave. Purify our hearts this morning, Jesus. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.